0: okay i've got 602 actually so let's get started and uh if you will shoo everybody in from the atrium no fair sticking your finger in the cupcakes before it's time but uh it's good to see y'all here I, boy I, i'm gonna just start getting ugly and i mean look around the room look at what i'm looking at we are spread out from stem to stern port to starboard I have to hurt my neck looking at everybody. As much as you can without getting mad at me, would would y'all please move in this way? Let's be a family and talk. And uh, Adam's going to the extreme. I'm I'm all over that. It's getting a little creepy, so I'm gonna back up. <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> Hmm? all right thank you all very very much that that to me is just so much more intimate and family so i appreciate you humoring me or or, uh uh, helping me out because it it does make it easier rather than having to try to look all over the place so thank you i appreciate it very much we are on uh week five of six uh of next expectations if you have been here every week so far raise your hand First four weeks, good. A lot of you have. Um, If if this is your first time at Expectations, anybody first time? All right, one back there. I'm glad you're here and uh, glad everybody else is here. But uh, I hope that you've enjoyed what we've been doing or, or maybe that was wrong. I hope you've been challenged by what we're doing. I really don't care if you enjoyed it or not. As long as you were challenged to change and that's the key i'll I'll just share without sharing names just a couple of things that i've gotten in the way of encouragement and testimony just this past week we've had uh one lady who is just passionately sharing the love of christ with one of her physicians and to the point where i think if i remember the story right The physician was about to move or retire or something and she was just desperate to get to talk to them one more time and share the love of Christ with them and and it's all been recently that God just lit that fire in their heart and so those kind of things just thrill my soul when I hear it because this is somebody like most of us who hasn't ever been that intentional about sharing Christ before but we've challenged you all to do that and it's starting to take had another encouragement this week uh learned that there are two d groups going on that i wasn't even really aware of one at cracker barrel on monday morning one at Pranera bread on thursday morning i think if i remember right and so we've got a, a group of men a group of women meeting and in a d group and sharing their Uh, Bible study in public and hashing out the, the study of the word together in a public place to let other people see Christians doing what Christians are supposed to do. And so those things thrill my soul. Also, uh, one of the ladies in that D group is her husband told me that, She is being more intentional about going to the same cash register when she buys her groceries and inviting the cashier to church and being intentional about everything she does. And and trying to, in the rhythms of her life, invite people to church or at least invite them into a conversation. And so I can't tell you how excited I get when I hear those stories. And there was a fourth one, but I'm old and forgetful and I don't remember what it was, but if it pops up in my head no matter where i'm at it's going to come out so if something weird happens in the middle of the talk and i just start sharing something else then then that's okay just take it for what it is because it just came to my mind and i got to say it before it leaves again but uh thank you all for listening and for taking the challenge and i just hope that it becomes contagious and i hope that it's like a wildfire that just takes off and we all get more intentional about sharing our faith i've I've been greatly convicted and challenged and been more intentional about where I go and who I talk to when I go and that I don't just go because I'm going I'm going because I have to do things I have to go to the pharmacy I have to go to the store I have to go to Walmart 23 times a week I have to get gas but I don't go just for that anymore I go to see who God might put in my eyesight that I can invite to church and and so not always i'm still getting in that rhythm as well but i think it's important that we start to do it our our discussion at connect group today was about setting a reminder putting a post-it note somewhere to be intentional about inviting people to church there was a, a movement several years ago that that told you to put a dot in the middle of your watch face so that every time you looked to see what time it was you saw that dot and it reminded you to pray for somebody just anything like that that will help discipline us to become more intentional about sharing christ than about inviting people to church little things matter and people are going to be responsive to a sincere invitation if you treat them like last week we talked about as we talked about being an outwardly focused christian if you treat them like a person instead of a project but if they feel that you are having a treating them as a project then they 're not going to warm up to that they 're going to tell you what you need to tell you they 're going to tell you what you want to hear in order to get you to move on because they 're feeling pressured or awkward that 's why relationships are important so be sincere and the only way you can be sincere is by being real with a truly a love the love of Christ in your heart so that you can share with people so be more intentional those are just one of several a couple of several. Testimonies that I got this week uh, from people, emails and, and uh, people sharing with Robin and I. So I'm thrilled about that, and I just pray it continues to, to just grow like crazy. And I want to encourage you to share those stories with us. Uh, as they come, as they happen, as people share them with you, share them with us. You can email it to discipleship at WNBC.net, and I get all of those. So that'll be an easy way for you to remember to share your testimony. Just just send an email to discipleship at WNBC.net and say, Daryl, I just had to share this today, blah, blah, blah. And I, unless you tell me I can, then I won't share your name. But if you tell me I can, I would love to share your name to encourage other people. I didn't share any names tonight because I didn't ask the permission to do that. But if you tell me your name and it's okay to share, I would love to encourage other people with your testimony and and your name. So uh, keep sending those in because we want to encourage each other with those kind of testimonies and God moments. And as we see and hear God moments, they will catch fire in our lives and, and encourage us and challenge us in order to hold each other accountable to continue to do it. So accountability is everything. So we've been through four weeks. This is week five of expectations, of course going back to the very first expectations is what to expect next we are in a transition from a vision and ministry standpoint with our senior pastor stepping aside and us going through um, process of searching for an interim searching for a senior pastor but if you remember the week after Mike made his announcement which was May the 22nd I preached a sermon called Certainty in the Midst of Uncertainty. We can either sit and float around in uncertainty wondering what's going to happen next or we can move forward with what we know to be the mission and vision of the church. And that is to make disciples who make disciples and reach the lost for Jesus Christ and build the kingdom. There's no uncertainty about our mission. There's no uncertainty about our vision. The strategy and how we approach it it's what we're talking about, and we'll have, we can have all those discussions, but, but there is no need to put anything on pause just because we're in a leadership transition. We know there's realities that go along with leadership transition, and we can deal with those, but just know you have a leadership team in, in place with your staff and your deacon leadership and your connect group leaders that there is absolutely no reason to pause. As a matter of fact, there's every reason to just go full out, and expect God to do amazing things. And that's what we're doing. We're praying with our umbrella, out. okay? We're praying for rain with our umbrella. And we just, we just expect God to show up because he said he would. And so we're moving forward. We're setting a course so that when God taps the next pastor, he can hit the ground running and not have to reshape and redo a lot of what we can do and are doing now. So he can hit the ground running with the mission of the church fair enough first week was the clarity of the gospel we said that uh, if the gospel is not right nothing else matters the gospel is the power of salvation the gospel is the power of salvation we can trust it i mean part of your discussion in connect group this morning if you got that far was the fact that a lot of the times we don't share and one of the reasons whether we would ever admit it out loud or not is that our belief system is not strong enough in the truths that we hold to trust them. If we really believe that Christ is the way to heaven and we really believe that hell is hot and eternal, how in the world could we not share the love of Christ with people? So I can only draw some conclusions and, and, and we, we can't accept excuses of, well, I'm just don't know for sure if, if I can say it right, or I might mess it up, or I'm just too scared. I'm an introvert, not an extrovert. That, those are excuses. People are going to hell on our excuses, and we can't do that. It's, it's, it's too important. You know, these, these decisions that we're talking about are not, I might not make it to work on time, or I might not get to buy one out and people are going to hell this is a heaven or hell eternal issue and we can't play with those things we are called by god to share christ with others it's the mission of the church make disciples who make disciples and the gospel is christ jesus from genesis to revelation all the fullness of his life how he did things why he did things and the truth of who he is That's the gospel. And we all know it. We've sat in church for 40 years, many of us. And we've learned under great teaching and, and biblical structured teaching for years and years. We know way more than we need to in order to share our testimony of who Christ is in our life. So I wanted to say right now there are no excuses. It's not about gifting, it's about obedience. And we have to understand the gospel and be able to articulate it clearly. You know if, you, if you're a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ Jesus, you know enough to articulate the gospel to someone who still needs it. It's just that simple. And we talk a lot about discipleship and disciples. Let me just, there are many definitions of a disciple, okay? A lot. You, if you read 25 books on discipleship, you'll have 25 different definitions. Here's a three-part definition of a disciple that I would like for us to start grabbing a hold of and having a common language to speak from as we share and as we teach and as we lead others in a discipleship process. Three parts to define a disciple. One, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not a disciple so you're a follower of jesus christ you know him as your personal lord and savior there has been a time in your life where you transferred your trust from you to christ for salvation and you are trusting that in this moment with a heart turned toward god knowing that christ's substitutionary death on the cross was enough and his resurrection proved it you must be a follower of jesus christ secondly You must be being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Because we were saved for what? We were saved to become in the image of his son. And we were saved to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So we have to be followers of Christ. You can't be a Christian and not be a follower of Christ. You might be a church member or a lot of other things, but you're not a Christian. You must be a follower of Jesus Christ. And number two, you must be being transformed into the likeness of Christ. That means you need to be growing. That means you need to be discipling and making disciples and reproducing who you are. We teach what we know. We reproduce what we are. And so if you're not reproducing disciples who are followers of Christ and who are becoming in the likeness and the image of Christ, then you're not a disciple. You must be a follower of Jesus Christ. You must be being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, you must be committed to the mission of Jesus Christ. Those three things are a disciple. a Follower of Christ, being transformed in the image of Christ, and being committed to the mission of Christ. The Great Commission as we know it, Matthew 28. Go into all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all things that I have commanded you to do. If, if your picture of discipleship contains those three elements and you are reproducing yourself, you can call yourself a disciple. And there are no Christians who aren't disciples. I don't want you to, to divide roads here. If you're a Christian, you are a disciple. And those ought to define your life. No other definitions fit from the new testament teaching so clarity of the gospel who are we as a disciple followers of christ being transformed in the image of christ and committed to the mission of christ number two discipleship's not optional that just goes in line with that three-part definition of a disciple it's not optional if you're saved you're a disciple if you're saved you must be not only becoming a better and better and more and more disciple but you must be replicating and reproducing who you are in others because until it reproduces it's not complete very clear in the new testament we talked about that last week and every week before and talk about it again this week so discipleship's not optional you can't separate it out well i got saved but i'm not going to be a disciple i'm not going to grow in the image of christ i'm not going to be committed to the mission of christ i'm not going to share my faith i got saved got my fire insurance Welcome to church. This is all you're going to have. Because a disciple is one who knows Christ as their Lord and Savior. Discipleship's not optional. Then whatever it takes, attitude's everything. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes. The world is lost and going to hell. We're plan A. There's no plan B. Whatever it takes must be our attitude. No excuses, no whining, no grumbling. No discussions about all kinds of other things. Whatever it takes to bring people from their lostness into the kingdom is what we as the church must do. Whatever that looks like. And it changes every day. As our culture changes, which it now changes about every six months, 18 months on the outside, as much as our culture changes, the church needs to be willing to adapt in order to bring the lost into the kingdom. And we need to constantly be evaluating what that looks like whatever it takes attitude and then last week we talked about living an others centered life we talked about our first thoughts always being about others rather than ourselves. and the more that becomes a truth in our life and a truth in our church a truth in our connect groups truth in our ministry areas the more it becomes that the less yan yan you'll hear we won't have time for any of that foolishness you know we're, all we're going to have time to do is celebrate what god's doing Because when we focus on other people, and we got a question in the box this past week that says, "What, what is the essence of what we're doing? The essence of what we're doing is building the kingdom of God by loving God through worship, connecting with people through groups, through our discipleship process, and impacting the world for Jesus Christ. That's the essence and the mission and the vision of what we're doing love connect impact you've had it in place for a long time but it's more than than words on a wall it's more than a logo it must be a process of life for us love connect impact it's it's a simplistic language to say the essence of what we're about love god connect with people impact the world it's great commission theology straight from the new testament live an others-centered life. That means we gotta quit thinking about ourselves and think about others first and always. Then this week, we're gonna talk about turning the church inside out. If we're going to be an others-centered Christian, then what follows next is turning that others-centeredness outside the walls of the church and fulfilling the Great Commission by serving where we live, work, and play. Love, connect, impact where we live, work, and play. If we will start getting these simple language things down and we all start thinking and talking with the same language, it will change the efficiency and effectiveness of our ministry. But as long as we're all saying different things and we have different little slogans, then we're spread out everywhere and we aren't focused anywhere. Love, connect, impact where we live, work, and play. It it needs to be that simple and that quick off your tongue. So, so if you're out in a community and and you invite somebody, say I go to Wallace Memorial Baptist Church. I'd love to invite you to come. Here's a starting point card. This look for the banner and come in. Somebody'll lead you in and show you where to go and give you a cup of coffee and a and a munchkin this morning. I stopped at at uh, Dunkin' Donuts just to start that ball rolling, hoping they'll build over here quicker. But <clears throat> We'll give you a munchkin and a cup of coffee and and answer all your questions. And if they say, well, what's what's Wallace about? We're about loving God, connecting with people, impacting the world, wherever we live, work, and play. You're not probably going to get much more of their time than that with the initial initial invite, especially at a cash register or at the table at, at your restaurant. But if you get those things out, first of all, they know that you have a mission and that your church is focused on something. And they know what you're about, loving God, connecting with people, impacting the world, wherever we live, work, and pray. We need to start the language. That's important. Every successful kingdom-building, disciple-making church operates with simplistic, common language. That's ours. We need to grasp it. We need t-shirts. We need caps. We need Flags, We need bumper stickers. But most of all, we need it to be part of who we are. We need it ingrained in here so that it just comes out anytime we're talking to somebody. And we can explain what that means. We're going to turn the church inside out. It doesn't do much good to have an outwardly focused Christian life if we're not going to turn our church into the community to be an absolute army for the kingdom of God. Jesus' discussions of greatness in the New Testament never centered around large crowds coming to hear a great teacher. Now, you're going to say, well, what about feeding the 5,000? That all happened. But that wasn't the center of his ministry. That was the early days of the attractional part of his ministry that was the come and see invitation if you remember we went through several of those iterations of invitations a couple weeks ago this was the come and see part large crowds grew but then as he got closer and closer to the cross what did he do he started teaching harder and harder things and they got smaller and smaller crowds so the discussions of, of jesus greatness and jesus discussions of greatness in the new testament never centered around large crowds coming to hear the great teacher but his discussions of greatness in the new testament always centered around disciples being sent in the power of the holy spirit i mean remember as he got closer to the cross what did he tell him he told him he, he predicted three times really close together i'm about to die i'm about to not be with you guys i know that we've been close for three years but i'm telling you i'm about to leave but it's to your advantage that I go because I'm going to send another one like me. The Holy Spirit is going to live within you and you're going to do greater things than you have even seen me do. That was tough for them to fathom because they had seen him heal the sick, blind, lame, deaf, mute, raise the dead. And he says, you're about to see more than that. Because the power of the Holy Spirit that created the world is about to become in you. He's going to dwell in you. And because you are many and I am one, you are about to accomplish more things than I ever could do. So it's to your advantage that I go away and he come. It always centered around the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And they didn't understand that until it happened. But when it happened, they got it. Because now that small following of 12 guys that grew to 120 people in that upper room and, and that small band of disciples that followed Jesus around at Pentecost became 3,000. Shortly after, another several thousand were, were added. And then within the first 400 years of Christianity, it was up in the millions. Because the majority of the Roman Empire became Christian. And so that's why Jesus focused the way he did. In order to turn the church inside out, we must, as Jesus did, take the long view of ministry. This is not a quick fix. It's not a a quick thing for a church to start impacting the world in a different way. We have to take the long view of ministry, not the short view. And that takes patience and obedience and dependence on the Holy Spirit completely. Instead of focusing on the 5,000, Jesus focused on the 120. He understood the principle of, a, of exponential multiplication. He knew if he could bury the, the news and the understanding of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and lives of 12 guys and that bigger band of 120, he knew if he could ingrain that in them and the importance of it, he knew what the exponential multiplication of that looked like. That's why our discipleship process is the way it is. That's why D groups are three to five men or three to five women that are closed because you build trust and you have to have accountability and, and obligation to each other. And it's a defined time period of anywhere from six to 24 months, depending on where you're at and your maturity of the group and the leaders discern and determine that. But the whole point is not to have 3 to 5 guys, not to have 3 to 5 guys and 3 to 5 women. The whole point is to within a 6 months to 24 months that those 5 become 25 in first generation reproduction. And then those 25 become 125 in the second generation. And so multiplication. I know a lot of people love mentoring, one-on-one mentor mentee and and there's a place for that, but that is addition growth christ taught exponential multiplication growth five becomes 25 becomes 125 becomes 625 and it just grows from there to the point where you see in simply three to four generations of d group replication within this church we have saturated our entire congregation with close to a thousand people you say well what happens then then as you replicate you're inviting people that you know from other churches. Say, so we do this thing called D groups. I'd like to invite you to come and be a part of mine for the next six to 12 months. And I'd like, like for you to see what God's doing here. That's what happened at Brainerd Baptist in Chattanooga. They saturated their entire, their entire congregation of about 2,000 people within two years by replicational multiplication of D groups. And then when Robin and I went to their very first uh, discipleship blueprint, they had already, the guy who led our discussion group was not even from Brainerd. He was from another church because somebody had invited him into their group at Brainerd, and he had taken it now back to his church. So what had started at Brainerd now had spread out into multiple churches. So you see the multiplicational effect? It moves from small group at Wallace, saturates Wallace, and then begins to saturate churches in our area and before long we have a discipleship movement and I'm not talking about 30 years I'm talking about five years 10 years we have saturated and started a discipleship movement in our area that's going to change the world as we know it because after we get all these disciples made who understand their followers of Christ and becoming in the image of Christ and committed to the mission of Christ and they get serious about being an outwardly focused Christian and turning the church inside out not only here but in their churches then you start to see and hear the Holy Spirit buzz all over our area and it, it brings Christianity back to a movement instead of an institution which is always where it focuses and works best Jesus understood this, and if you look and read the Gospels at how he made disciples, it's very clear, very clear. He didn't stay with the 5,000. Most of them wanted to be fed. Most of them wanted to be healed. But he's not going to change the world by doing miracles. Those were simply signs to confirm that he was God. But then he got down to business, and he started pouring into a small group of people in a discipleship process it was very intentional Paul also took a long view of ministry as he taught young Timothy as the pastor of the church at Ephesus he poured into Timothy's life and you remember 2 Timothy 2.2 when he told him he said be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus young man and he said these things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others I showed you a couple weeks ago there's five generations of discipleship in that one verse 2 Timothy 2.2 That's the long view of ministry. Paul was telling Timothy, if you'll hunker down and focus on teaching a few men who will be reliable to teach others, you will see the long view, multiplication, exponential multiplication of Christianity flood Asia Minor. And it moved from Asia Minor very quickly into Europe, over into Rome, and throughout the known world at that time. Just in a few short centuries. You think, boy, that's a long time. We got a long time, Jesus tarries. But we got to start now. We got to start now. Every day we wait is eternally tragic for millions of people. And we can't afford to. We can't afford to for their sake and for the glory of God's sake. Ephesians 4, Paul Paul clearly explains the job of leadership development is the key to reaching a lost world. It's the minister's job to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4 is very clear. That's the multiplicational effect. We are to lead leaders, and then leaders are to lead leaders who are to grow the church in their accountability and, and structure in order to reach the world for Christ. We are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry that's what we're to be about that doesn't excuse leadership from doing the ministry we're just as responsible for doing it as you are but we have an additional level of responsibility to lead and train leaders that's the only way it grows the the growth of a church will always be bottlenecked at the leadership level and that's why you have to constantly increase your capacity for leadership that's the reason leadership has to be an integral part of discipleship it's i don't see leadership development as a separate process it's part of the discipleship process and as leaders lead others people rise to the top that a leader will discern that this person is capable of much more and that leader is then responsible for lifting that person up and training them to to take the responsibility to be a leader and the d process is Completely about that. Everybody's expected. You start with the, begin with the sin in mind. You begin those five, and the covenant you sign says at the end of our time together, all five will lead a group. You say, well, how, how is that possible? Because it, it's simple. It has to be simple in order to be reproducible. So the dGroup process is simple and reproducible. Anybody can do it. Do you have to have a class to start a D-group? No. Come to me, I'll talk to you for 20 minutes, give you a book full of materials, and it'll take you maybe an hour to watch all the little short videos. You can start a D-group that night if you want to. Because I'm always available to help or to answer questions or to, to do whatever I need to do to make sure that, that you feel confident and comfortable. But you're not expected to lecture, you're not expected to lead, you're not expected to do systematic theology studies. You're just expected to read and journal through the scriptures together and meet and discuss it and hold each other accountable for responding to it. What's the curriculum? The Bible. You can add book studies to it to complement it, to help you grow deeper in understanding from guys who have gone before us, who have done the work, gleaned from it. But the Bible is your text. It's simple. It's reproducible. The long view of ministry seems counter to the common sense modern church view of building large crowds through better, more exciting programs and experiences. That's the short view church growth mentality. Build it and they will come. Make it louder, brighter, more exciting, and they will come. That's the short view. That's grow it big, grow it fast, celebrate it. You make a lot of church members, but you don't make many disciples. The long view of ministry is what's going to build the kingdom and make it solid from the ground up. And we need to focus on the long view of ministry. <clears throat> However, church members are not prepared to la- launch. You build, you build it in the short view and build big churches full of members, 10,000. We've got churches in America that are forty and fifty and 60,000 in arenas. Church members don't prepare aren't prepared to launch into the darkness with the gospel. Disciples are. If you're in the discipleship process being led and discipled by other men or women, you are prepared to launch with the gospel into the darkness of the world. A church member is not. So our goal is not to increase church members. Our goal is to make disciples who make disciples. There's a total difference between the two. The responsibility is completely different. A church member, church growth, short view of ministry is, is all about a consumer mentality. The long view of ministry, making disciples that make disciples, is about a kingdom mentality. And that's what we have to be about. Disciples are God's choice to grow the kingdom. The long view of ministry, Jesus' view of ministry. Paul's view of ministry is is to make disciples who make disciples. It's that simple. Make disciples who make disciples. That means, does God ever tell us to go out and make converts? No, that's his job. We are to share the gospel of Christ, trust the power of the gospel, and the power of the Holy Spirit to make converts, and we get to be a part of that process by sharing our testimony, sharing our faith, sharing the gospel with people, but... You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. The Holy Spirit does the saving. We do the disciple making. So it's all, if you remember, conversion and discipleship are two sides of the same coin. And the gospel is the principal feature. Make disciples who make disciples. That is where kingdom growth happens. That's the long view of ministry. The world will only be changed as we take time to replicate our faith in somebody else's heart. You are responsible to disciple someone. There's nobody in here that gets an out. Nobody. If you're a disciple, New Testament says, Jesus says, make disciples. Replicate who you are. Reproduce your heart in somebody else's. Then we will see kingdom growth happen and the world change. In many ways, the church growth movement sacrificed kingdom growth for church growth. Let me read it again. In many ways, the church growth movement over the last 25, 30 years sacrificed kingdom growth for church growth. Churches were so focused on programming and, and the show on Sunday in order to grow a big congregation and build big buildings, but they weren't focused on discipleship and kingdom growth. We had church growth, but not church health. And so we're, we're having to do what we have to do in order to come out of some really bad strategy from an evangelistic standpoint and get back to the solid kingdom foundational work of making disciples that make disciples. It's not about church growth. It's about church health and kingdom growth. And that's the long view of ministry that, that Christ taught. The long-term view of ministry is not as instantly gratifying as a short-term view. You won't fill up a building real quick, but what you get will be solid, kingdom-building, hell-robbing Christians and disciples of Christ. But throughout history, it is the way that the church is multiplying. The long view of ministry. Always. Always. Are we willing to take the long view of ministry and do those things that build long-term movements even if they don't feel as gratifying or make us look as good in the short term? We have to decide that. And I'm telling you, my answer is yes. We have to get to the work of the short term of the long view ministry of the church in making disciples who make disciples and watch the exponential factors grow it. Will we fill this building up? Temporarily. Because the other part of this is we're going to grow it to send it. Jared quoted me from last week, and it was actually a quote from J.D. Greer at Summit Church in North Carolina area. He said, we are to be a sending church of sent people. This church should probably never get full to its capacity. Because we ought to be raising up leaders and planting churches as fast as God brings them in. Only when we become a conduit for God's grace does he honor that and then continue to flow through us. It's when we start building walls around the church and hoarding church members and saying, boy, we got to get, get the building full and we got to get more people and we got to, we need to be bigger and we need to fill up the parking lot and our numbers are down, our, our giving's down. When we start focusing on those things, we've lost our focus on the gospel. Focus on the gospel. Focus on making disciples who make disciples. All the rest of that stuff takes care of itself. That's why when Lombardi came out first of every year and said, gentlemen, this is a football. He knew if he got them deep into the fundamentals of the game, winning takes care of itself. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. If we will focus on the fundamentals of making disciples who make disciples through the power of the gospel and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, all this other stuff takes care of itself but then we have to have the right ecclesiastical model the right model of what church is it's a sending mechanism we should plant churches that plant churches we should start groups that start groups we should start d groups that start d groups we should make disciples that make disciples this is a sending organization how else can the world know Christ Jared read it this morning how can they know if they don't hear how can they hear if somebody doesn't go tell them I won't go through the whole feet illustration. That was kind of (laughs) nasty. But (laughs) interesting. It's our job. This church has to continually be a flowing conduit of living water into the community. And it's God. and, And I'm telling you, one reason that this church and other churches don't see an influx of new people is because we're not ready to be responsible with them. When our hearts turn outward and we become a church that's turned inside out, I know that God will begin sending us people because he knows we're gonna be good steward with those people and we're gonna become a sending organization that sends people back out into the world instead of just hoards them so we feel better about ourselves. That's not what it's about. Listen, the, one of the biggest movements in church construction today is renovation, making large rooms smaller. Cross Church, which used to be First Baptist Church, uh, Springdale, Arkansas, Ronnie Floyd's a pastor. When they did their last church renovation, which is probably eight or ten years ago now, they took the size of their room down by probably 40% because they started focusing on being ascending church they started planting churches around their area they planted a pinnacle and, and one guy took that they planted another church on the other side of northwest arkansas and another guy took that so now their their focus became not just continually growing to be a bigger church in a building bigger building but to be a church intentionally focused on making disciples and planting churches and spreading their ministry out throughout the rest of northwest arkansas and around the around america and Ronnie's even started a church planning school. I've got a friend in, in Colorado Springs right now that went to church planning school at Cross Church in Northwest Arkansas, and he's at Colorado Springs planting a church in the middle of the Air Force community there. And it's just growing like crazy because of ascending mentality and disciple making mentality. That's who we have to become. Even when it doesn't it's not as self gratifying instantly. If so, We will devote ourselves to building leaders, not inflating audiences. If we build leaders and make disciples, everything else takes care of itself. We just have to be in it for the long haul, the long view of ministry, making disciples who make disciples, focused on the gospel. And God honors it. When we're obedient, you'll see him being faithful. Another way of saying it, are we willing to stay small in the short term in order that the kingdom might grow large for the long term? Are we? Is the only way we're going to feel good about ourselves as a church is if our church gets bigger? You don't understand God's economy. It's not about that. If we focus on making our church bigger, we lose sight of why we're here we focus on why we're here god takes care of the size of the church but he honors obedience and he honors a, a conduit a flow of ministry and discipleship not of hoarding for the sake of larger it's about those who aren't here yet not about those who are here are we willing so let's turn the church inside out let's be A blood-bought, Holy Spirit-empowered, sold-out group of outwardly focused believers who are followers of Christ, who are becoming in the image of Christ and are committed to the mission of Christ and literally changing the world for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of God. Turning the church inside out. That means we focus on the 98% of our week that we're not in here. This is an encouragement, celebration, refilling, educating, equipping time on Sunday and Wednesday. All for the purpose of Monday through Saturday. It's not about Sunday. Because it's not about us. It's about Christ and his kingdom and it's about those who don't know about it yet. And I know we we have this false sense that everybody in our area knows Christ or knows about Christ or has heard the gospel. That's just not true anymore. It's just not. We live in a very, very uh, transient area where it wouldn't take you much of a walk through your neighborhood to find someone who, if you mentioned Jesus Christ, they wouldn't have a clue what you were talking about. And that ought to just set your heart on fire because that's who we're here for. But we also have to be willing to teach through all of the bad stuff that churches have created over the last 50 years. Bad theology, bad fellowship, bad testimony. Listen, the criticism that the community has of the church, we really own a lot of it. We've created it because of the fights and the splits and, and all those other things. But we can't use that as an excuse. We, God still honors the gospel. And a person sold out to the gospel. So let's turn the church inside out. It's absolutely critical. Lombardi said, ladies and gentlemen, this is a football. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a church. One that's centered on the gospel, making disciples that make disciples. Focused on the kingdom of God. With a heart for Christ and others before ourselves. That's a church. That's who we must become. We're well on our way. I must have an outward heart. You must have an outward heart. And we must see it collectively as an outwardly focused set of believers called a church turned inside out. And then when we become a church inside out. Here's a quote from Christopher Wright. who's a great New Testament writer. He's written Old Testament stuff too. But. Most of what I've read from Christopher Wright's in the New Testament. He said, Jesus did not give a mission to his church. He formed a church for his mission. It's not the church first. It's mission first. The church is what Christ ordained to accomplish the mission. And we, we've got it turned around. We think that this is about the church. It's not. It's about the mission of Christ. Jesus didn't give a mission to his church. He formed a church for his mission J.D. Greer says in his book, Gaining by Losing, without the mission, <clears throat> this is huge, without the mission, the church is not a church. It's just a group of disobedient Christians hanging out. Oh, we laugh because it, it, you ought to be crying. Because I'm telling you, that defines the majority of churches in America today. When the stats keep flying across our bow, that 95% of self-professed believers in God never share their faith with anybody that should make us weep because we're buildings full of disobedient church members hanging out worrying about how we do things and what it looks like and do we get to come together and see everybody we want to And, and I've heard it for years well I don't want two services because we don't it's not one big family we don't know anybody that way newsflash That's not what church is about. Besides that, you don't know anybody now other than your small group. By and large, this church does not know each other outside of your connect group. And we found that to be true since we've been here. That's changing somewhat. But we can't use that. It's not about how close we are as a fellowship. That's a benefit, but it's not a purpose. This building will hold between seventeen and 1,900 people. It was built to hold that four and five times as we become gospel-centered, disciple-making, born-again believers. Other than that, we're just a group of disobedient Christians hanging out, fussing about things, complaining about things that are not gospel-intentional things. We need to temper all of our conversations. The next time you're in a room with somebody or in a class with somebody and they start complaining about something that has nothing to do with propagation of the gospel outside of these walls, tell them to stop it. Tell them to stop it. There's no room for that. Because for every one of those conversations we're having, it completely sucks the life out of our mission and purpose. And you're either going to feed the flame or douse the flame. And it's up to us. But we've got to stop it. We've got to stop it. I want you to stop it with me. I want you to stop it with your group. We have to be about the gospel. Everything else is a distraction and disobedience. A church is a movement before it's an institution. I've said this before. The church in the early centuries was a movement. That's when it spread just supernaturally and exponentially. It's when it became institutionalized that the growth of the church began to slow down. We need to set the church free again. We need to turn it inside out from an institution to a movement again. And that means us understanding our role as disciple makers and being outwardly focused Christians and turning the church inside out. Institutionalization turns the church outside in. We got to turn it inside out in order that the kingdom might flourish. People who are not moving are not part of the movement, even if they are a part of the institution. Listen, this building has to be full of movers. It has to be people on mission all of us and our mission is not coming here every Sunday doing church our mission is going there every Monday and being the church it's got to be that or we're just playing church you may as well stay home watching watch it on TV because you're not going to impact the world for Christ God's not going to be glorified the kingdom's not going to be grown but we are the church we got to act like it be a part of the movement in order to turn the church inside out we must not focus on growing a church in order to turn the church inside out we must focus on reaching and blessing our city our country and our world we are to be a blessing to those around us here's a personal rendition of acts 1-8 that jared shared this morning and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Knoxville, throughout Tennessee, and America, and to the ends of the earth. That's our role as Wallace Memorial Baptist Church. That's my role as a born-again disciple of Christ. That's my role as an outwardly facing Christian. That's our role as an inside-out church, to be his witnesses in Knoxville, Tennessee, America, and the ends of the earth. It has to be our focus. It starts here and goes everywhere. Then and only then can we call ourselves an evangelical, great commission, Christ-honoring, disciple-making church. Growing is inside. Reaching is outside. We come together to grow and mature. We leave to reach. We must be an inside-out, reaching church. As we move forward in our mission and vision, our greatest expectation must be turning the church inside out. We must focus on it. Every time you get together in connect group, talk about what are you doing outside the walls. Make it a part of your discussion every week. Get together outside. I know you don't have time every Sunday or or even most Sundays in the hour short period you have to talk about being outwardly focused. So get together outside of that hour. And talk about how you're going to be outwardly focused. And don't make your connect group leader be the driver of it. Take responsibility for it. Help a brother out. Come to your connect group leader and say, Hey, I got an idea to do ministry. You, you, you care if I run it by you and help you refine it and figure it out? Oh, yeah, come on. And let them run with a long leash always keeping it under the purview of the ministry and the gospel of the church but let god be creative in your people it's not the connect connect groups leader's job to do everything it's his job to bring you together to make sure you're getting solid foundational bible teaching and organizing you to be the ministry of the church So come to him and help him out. Don't wait on him to tell you what to do or plan everything, social events and ministry projects. Come and help him. Organize around the purposes of the church. Have somebody in charge of missions in your, in your group that communicates constantly with Sandy. Have somebody in charge of ministry in your group that, that connects and, and talks to Sandy and the other ministers that are over ministry areas. Have somebody in your group that's organizing fellowship events. If somebody is focused on it, it will happen. But if nobody is focused on it or you leave it up to the connect group leader to do it, it doesn't happen. We gotta be smarter, we've got to be more intentional to get it done. Gotta be turning the church inside out. That means every decision we make from here on out must have a disciple must every decision we make must have a disciple making, other centered mission focus. Every decision. Every ministry, every focus, every activity needs to be quantified and qualified under that. Disciple making, other centered missional focus it's who we are it's who we're called to be anything else is a distraction we only have so many hours and so much ministry time so many minutes in our week so much money in our pocket and distractions take away from the gospel intention of all that so we can't be distracted we must have some big we have some big decisions ahead of us as a church and we'll from this day until jesus comes but we have some really big ones coming up that are going to make a difference in the future and the long view of ministry in this church. One of the immediate decisions we have is to decide who we are and who we need to be. That's what this is about. Who we are is a church that is finding their way to being an outwardly focused, gospel-centered, disciple-making church. Who we need to be is a church who has become an outwardly focused disciple making kingdom building gospel focused church when we become that we'll see God honoring that by bringing a flow of people through our doors because that is what God's about our next decision is to find and call the man to lead that transition we don't need to wait until that man gets here we can start that cart rolling down the hill but we need to be prayerful in what's going on right now with your leadership our pastoral search team is meeting tonight after this meeting they've told me i have to be through and get cupcakes by seven so they can meet pray for them you got an insert in your bulletin this morning as to those names and how you could pray 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 desperately pray on your face for those people for god to protect them personally and to guide them in their decision-making process so they can discover who God already has for this role God already knows our job is to discern what God already knows pray for them and I don't mean just fire one off in the morning I mean keep that piece of paper with their names and faces ever toward God in your prayer it's a big deal and we need to pray desperately for them our next guy, he doesn't need to be a man on a mission. He needs to be a man with a mission. He needs to be a man with the mission of God on his heart and will accept nothing less. That's who we need as our pastor. He doesn't need to have greatness in his eyes. He needs to have godliness in his heart. That's who we need as our next pastor. J.D. Greer again of his book, gaining by losing said ministry you see is a great place for guys with the idol of success to hide because we can mask our selfish ambition in the cloak of doing great things for god we don't need a climber we need a pastor who has a heart for seeing the kingdom built we don't need somebody on their way somewhere we need somebody on mission with god ready to walk with this church And lead us in the long view of ministry. As you pray for the pastoral search committee. Pray that they would be led to a man of God. With a heart for God. A passion for making disciples. And many tears for the lost. We need a man who who will cry. Who will weep. For the lostness of the nation around us. We need a man with a heart broken for God. Crying out. For the desperate situation that our country's in and our world's in and who will accept nothing else than a church that is absolutely set on fire by the holy spirit making disciples and changing the world forever it's time to turn the church inside out in order to turn the world upside down that's our topic for next expectations number six let's pray God your charge is clear I pray that all our hearts are convicted by your word and by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life Lord I pray that we will settle it right now first of all that we know you that you're our Lord and our Savior we are confident in that truth not according to an experience but according to the word of God and how it defines and illustrates salvation so god i pray we know you and we've surrendered to your lordship so that we might be used god i pray we're a people that are being transformed into the likeness of your son i pray that as we go to bed we take inventory of our life to see if it looks more like jesus when we lay down than when we got up God, I pray we'll be a people who put other people in our lives to hold us to that standard, who can say the hard things, the loving things, to admonish us into becoming into the image of your Son. I pray we'll be a people transformed into the likeness of Christ. And God, I pray that we will be a people who are committed to the mission of Christ, who are focused on making disciples, who make disciples, who are focused on seeing kingdom growth, not church growth. I pray we are people who are obedient and sacrificial in our living, in our giving, in our walk, in our talk. God, I know that as we are obedient, you will honor who you are and we will see the kingdom grow because that's the desire of your heart. So God, I pray our desire is your desire. And that we would not accept any excuses from each other, from ourselves, from our leadership. No excuses. Except for to be an outwardly focused people and in an inside out church. That you might use us to turn the world upside down. God, we love you. And we desperately ask that you change us. And that we see the world come to know you in ways that we would never have expected. But that you know is the desire of your heart. Lord, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, guys. I'm pretty sure there's cupcakes and lemonade. Go fast. You snooze, you lose.